This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we finally get to talk about a Wisconsin basketball victory. It seems like it's been a while. Even in their latest victory against Nebraska, it wasn't really necessarily a pretty game. Um, this game was, was pretty crisp and clean and a good win all around for the Badgers. I know it's Northwestern, but a, bit, a win is a win in this conference. Um, so we'll talk about everything that went well in that, uh, get into some other stuff on the basketball side, talk about Micah Potter's big performance, and then we'll get into some football talk. We've got some news to touch on, and then we'll continue our position preview, review. Um, we'll talk about the running back room. A lot of interesting storylines coming into this year uh, with the running back room. Of course, you've got Jalen Berger, but uh, the question kind of around that is, is who is in there with him, who's going to be the guy that gets some of those other carries um, as the Badgers work into basically uh, a pretty young and, and new running back room. So it'll be an interesting conversation on the back end as well. Matt, how are you today? Doing great. I, I love having the, the early morning conversations that always kind of kickstarts the night or the day in a in a nice way. How are you doing? Yeah, it's nice. You know, the weather, while it's only maybe 32 degrees right now, the sun's shining and it feels a lot warmer than what we've had for the last couple of weeks. So it's a, a nice turnaround as we head into spring, get closer and closer to March Madness, I have to say. And from a college basketball standpoint, um, while I'm excited to see what Wisconsin can hopefully do down the stretch, I'm really just excited for March Madness as well. And we're getting closer and closer. We're getting good games, um, what seems like every night of the week in college basketball now. So we're getting closer to that time. And given last year not having it, it, it finally it's it's going to be a, a really exciting time these next few weeks here. So things are looking good. We're getting out of this winter polar vortex of, of cold and misery, but. Get into the basketball game here. Wisconsin, coming into this game, was struggling in, in a lot of different areas. Offensively, there were some defensive struggles, rebounding, pretty much anything. Um, you, could, you could kind of say there were some concerns in each area of the game. So Northwestern, not a very good team, obviously struggling all year long. But they kind of came at the perfect time for the Badgers to kind of get right. You know, you talk about in football, you get some of these non-conference early games. It's a get-right game to try and get your feet under you. Basketball, you get the same thing. So, overall, what did you make of that game, and, and what did you make of the Badgers' performance? Yeah, you look at how that game was positioned in the schedule, and it couldn't have been in a better place considering uh, how the Badgers were playing in, in the two games leading into it, as well as the going into three really tough games here to finish off the regular season. So I, I was impressed. I thought the Badgers played a lot better. I thought it, they played much more spirited, which I think is something that they've been lacking throughout this season, is you haven't seen the joy, the excitement. Um, 
how Jonathan Davis smiled. Uh, so I, I think you look at it right now, and, and the team seems to be in a better space after that game. I mean, winning cures all. But overall, I thought they, they did some nice things. You saw some of their, their players that you needed to step up emerge, and I'm hoping that uh, Greg Garden Company kind of rely on those, those guys moving forward and, and maybe make some changes in how they attack on the offensive end because there were certain players who, who did a really good job and there was other players who really struggled, and they've been struggling for a while now. So it, it might be time to kind of lean into what worked against Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, There's there was a lot of things that worked well, and, and you've got to try and build on that. You've now got uh, you know, basically a week off before you take on Illinois, so hopefully you can build on some of the things you made adjustments for. You know, at this time of the season, you're coming down this, this home stretch, a couple more games, and then the Big Ten tournament. You don't have a lot of time to tinker, so if you find something that works like it did against Northwestern, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go with with some of that, and, and there's going to be some guys that are getting more minutes than others, and, and maybe that's the right call as you move forward here. But overall, this game was, like you said, perfectly positioned. I think Wisconsin desperately needed um, a game like this, whether it was anyone, just to come out and, and play clean. I know it was Northwestern, but again, I don't really think it matters given what this team was kind of going through coming into it. They just needed a game to, to get right, knock down some shots, play some good defense, and, and like you said, the energy was there as well which has been something that uh, they've they struggled with. The, the team seemed happy and, you know, high-fiving and, and getting after loose balls a little bit more. So I think it was uh, a well-positioned game and a big win for Wisconsin that way. And, and now they've got a chance to really hone in on what worked and, and get a good week of practice in before Illinois. And hopefully they can come out because last time they took on Illinois, they were absolutely throttled. So hopefully Wisconsin can come up with some sort of formula um, to get some things going that way. For sure. I mean, you look at it, and in terms of the actual shots, they, they shot okay. I mean, they were averaged out to be about 40%, but really, if you look at it, there was clumps of guys that, that played really well and shot really well, and then the rest of the team really struggled um, is one of the major observations to take away from the game. I mean, you look at it, and um, three guys in particular who I think were really effective in the game were um, Dimitri Trice, who I thought had a, a really good game, had a couple turnovers that I think he wish, wished he had back, but overall he, he did a really good job as the floor general. And then Micah Potter continues to to play well when given those minutes. So, man, if we could just continue to see him on the court and he's doing a better job on the defensive end, hopefully they can continue rolling with that. And then Jonathan Davis getting to the rim, making some acrobatic finishes, um, in, in the paint and, and helping them out a lot. Those three guys were 15 of 22 and 6 of 8 from 3. You look at the rest of the team and they shot 23.5%. And I know that Tyler Wall and Brad Davidson eventually got into double figures, but you look at efficiency-wise, Wall was good. He was 4 of 8. He, he did some nice things and especially sparked them on the defensive end after missing most of the first half with those two fouls. But then... Um, you know, still Brad Davison still struggling in terms of actual consistency. He was three of ten, which is better than what how he had been shooting. So he got to twelve points mostly on the free throw line. So I think you look at it right now, and, and there is a core group that is playing well, and there are some of your your key starters who are still struggling mightily right now, and uh, that that needs to be remedied, or they need to shift kind of how they're playing if they really want to succeed and and have a chance in these last three big games. Yeah, I think the formula of getting you know a combo of, of Trice, Davis, and Potter on the floor as much as you can at 
sometimes at the same time. I think you've got something that works with those three. Um, and, and I think the big thing to take from that is is the defensive end of the floor. Trice is always pretty solid um, and, and garden, a, a strong guard in the Big Ten. I think the issue is, is always Micah Potter in those situations, given his defensive effort sometimes and, and just kind of struggling over the past couple of years. But like you said, he has been playing better. Um, played pretty well overall on the defensive end this game. I know, of course, it's Northwestern again. They don't have the bigs like, you know, a Luca Garza or a Hunter Dickinson, a guys that, that really dominate in the conference. But, you know, you, there's sometimes you can't have it all. You know, you can't always have, you know, somebody when you're struggling to score points, you got to focus on the offensive end sometimes, and, and that's going to get Micah Potter more minutes. If you're struggling on the on the defensive end and you really need to clamp down, that might get Nate Reavers um, a little bit more minutes. But overall, I, I think when you're when you're looking at how to balance this team and how to really come up with an attack that works, it, it's probably got to be Potter right now and, and get some sort of combo with those three on there because they give you so much more offensively. You know, Brad Davison and, and Aleem Ford can, can give you some things and knock down some shots, but it seems like right now the three guys to, to really play through are those three, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how many minutes they get. Um, you know, against a team like Illinois, because that's going to be a, a tough one. That's going to be a, a dogfight that you're not going to be able to afford to just kind of, you know, lackadaisically just get some guys in or work some minutes. It's going to be, you know, it's a team that's coming in, one of the hottest teams in the country. So it's it's going to be an interesting combination to see how they work them in, how many minutes each guy's get, because I think that's going to be indicative of the result as you get closer to, to Saturday's contest. Yeah, I, th- I think Micah Potter has, has proven – uh, that he's willing to put forth the effort on the defensive end. He he's still going to be limited in terms of his his foot movement, speed on the defensive end, sliding to to stay in front of defenders. But at the same time, if he's giving you t- averaging just over 20 points in your last two games when you're actually playing him out there, and he's being hyper efficient on the offensive end and actually grabbing boards after that that abysmal no rebound performance against Michigan. I think you've got to go with him because what we're seeing from Nate Reavers just isn't good enough. And Wisconsin, if you look at their overall record, when Micah Potter plays over 20 minutes, they have a much better record than when he doesn't. They, in their in their latest games, you look at it, the loss at Penn State, he played 15 minutes. The loss to Illinois, 19 minutes. The loss to Michigan, 19 minutes. So he, he went ahead and had 30 minutes against Iowa, but he also played really well and was one of the only guys on the offensive end that really sparked them. So I think at this point you've got to lean in on on him as, as your go-to threat on the offensive end. And, and I think what Jonathan Davis and Demetrius Trice also bring, Trice is an outside shooter um, and mid-range jump shooter with uh, Jonathan Davis being the slasher. If you can configure your offense around those – the three of those guys and the skills that they bring, I think it can help you out. I don't know if that's still going to be enough to take down some of the best teams in the conference because, let's be real, Illinois has two of the best players in the country, let alone the Big Ten. But at the same time, it gives you a much better opportunity and chance than um, some some of the other shots that are going on because you look at the numbers put out by both uh, Nate Reavers and uh, Aleem Ford recently – in this latest game, one of 13, and and that isn't going to cut it. That's not going to win you games right now. So you need to be able to figure out, hey, our defense just isn't that good. It just isn't. It hasn't been what it was earlier in the season. Let's we got to have the guys who are going to be able to help us out on the offensive end and keep us in these games out there. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of hang around, try to get as many you know score as many buckets as you can, and and hope that you can get some stops defensively. 
you know, Wisconsin in, in principle is always a strong defensive team, but there's some times where maybe it's just not clicking, and you when you've got to sacrifice something, maybe you sacrifice a little bit more on the defensive end to ensure, like you said, that you're scoring and, and even hanging around in these games. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how the minutes work out on, on Saturday against Illinois. And you know, we've talked about looking through a guy, looking for a guy that, that the offense can play through. Maybe it's not one in in particular in, in Potter, but maybe it's it's a mix of of that Davis Potter and Trice to really keep you going. So that'll be interesting to watch as they move forward here. You need that go-to guy. Maybe you've got a couple go-to guys that you can play through and, and make something happen late in the season. You know, given Micah Potter playing a lot, that, of course, limits Nate Reavers. And, and granted, Nate Reavers has, has really been struggling, so he's, he's somewhat limiting himself because he's been struggling a little bit, and Micah Potter has been earning those minutes because he's been playing well. Um, but he only played 16 minutes in this game against Northwestern, two points, one rebound. Just was really struggling to seem to find his footing, and so we've talked about it a little bit. But what is maybe going on there in terms of play, and and what do you think the Badgers do? We've, we've kind of hinted at it, but it seems like the the move is to maybe go more towards Potter getting those heavy minutes, and, and Nate Reavers being a guy that just kind of comes off the bench and, and gives him a spell, which is not what we saw for most of the season, especially early on when when Reavers was getting a lot of minutes, and and Potter was you know kind of taking that role of coming off the bench. Yeah, or at the beginning of the season when they were both on the mm-hmm. on the court for for a while there. I think right now Micah Potter is is the guy who's as long as he continues to be the one that's gaining more minutes. I don't really care who's starting. It it, it just is a matter of they need Nate Reavers to help them out more on the defensive end because right now the offense will come when he can start playing, getting back to the basics on the defensive end. He's at his lowest rebounding. Um, average since his freshman year, and that's not because of minutes. He's he's at the his lowest uh, block block percentage at one point or, or a w- average at one point two since his freshman year, and that's not because of minutes. The, he's the guy who is really struggling on the defensive end and confidence there, and it's I think it's creeping into the offensive end. The other big thing for him has been the three-point line. He has struggled. He's shooting under 30% there, and that's a space that he did so much better um, both in, during his sophomore and junior season. So I think for him, it's about being able to hit those outside shots, and it's gonna and it's about um, doing it on the defensive end. It, once he starts doing that, his minutes can go up. But but until that happens. I, I still say Micah Potter just gives them so much more right now, not only in terms of energy, but also in production that, that I don't think that Nate Reavers is earning the minutes that um, he's seen because you can't, you can't expect to win a bunch of games and have when you're starting um, forward just isn't cutting it, is, is shooting one of six and also grabbing you one rebound when you're damn near seven feet. Like that isn't going to do it. And, and that's, um, the thing that they're running up against right now is they're seeing that they're having some struggles with multiple players that just need to get it going because if you're a team built on balance and and you have you know two out of or three out of the eight players who are really in your main um, group of guys that are playing the most minutes, it, it makes it tough. And, and Micah Potter right now is playing like a go-to guy the past two games. And and they need to continue to funnel the ball to hit, funnel the ball his way. Yeah, that part's going to be you know really interesting for for Reavers. You know, if he comes in and and plays well defensively and grabs rebounds and, and doesn't score, I think I think he would take that. You know, the you know the minutes that he's getting if he's just being 
Um, really strong defensively and grabbing the boards. I don't think you'd, you'd really bat an eye at it. It's the, the lack of rebounding that is really hard, making it more difficult, I think, for Greg Gard to put him on the floor as much and, and as often because you can't afford to, to have a guy out there that is just, you know, like you said, seven foot tall and, and grabbing one rebound. Um, you know, I know you can you can you scratch your head at it in the last couple games, but it, it makes a lot of sense that you just can't afford to have that out there. You need to be strong on the glass in this conference. You, you've talked about it, you know, with, with Michigan, with Illinois, Iowa, really strong big men that, that dominate on the glass. Yeah, you can get away with it, you know, maybe against Northwestern, only grabbing a, a board, but you know, in these big tight ga- tight games with with really strong teams, if you want to elevate your game and knock some of those teams off, and maybe not, maybe they'll just beat the teams they're supposed to beat and lose to the teams that that are better than them. That that's kind of what's happened this season, and and maybe that's just the way it's going to go. But at the same time, if you want to elevate your game and and knock off some of these and and win games deep into March, you know, rebounding is going to be a big thing. So the, the whoever's out there is going to have to be you know a guy that can. A, you know, get it done on the offensive end as well, but really, you know, is playing defense and, and getting the boards. And right now, Nate Reavers is just not doing that. So I think by default, given that Potter is, is really thriving and, and Reavers is struggling, you're going to probably see, continue to see, um, I would think, the similar rotation that you've seen these last couple games into into the rest of the season. For sure. I mean, let's to put it in, you know, to put a number on it, Nate, um, Nate Reavers was minus one in terms of his plus minus in a 17-point win. Everybody else in the top eight of, of playing minutes was at least plus 12. So that tells you just how um, much of a struggle it was for him out there against Northwestern, a team that, like you mentioned, doesn't have the, the dominant big guy that's going to push him around, and he still was struggling. So Nate Reavers has got to kind of get a, a net-cracking game of his own to, to get right here and um, hopefully figure things out. But and until that happens, they, they've got to tighten up and and really work to make sure that their top five or their five best players on the offensive end, and sprinkle that in with like a guy like Tyler Wall who played really good defense against Northwestern in that lineup can can help them out and win them some games. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, you saw the kind of the good right game for a lot of those guys against Northwestern. But if you didn't kind of get some things going in that Northwestern game, now you've got to either do it against Illinois, Purdue, or, or Iowa, which are all tough games, and then you get into the Big Ten tournament where you know it's not going to be time to, to try and feel things out. You need to win some some games in that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the these last three shake out. But uh, for Wisconsin, now, like I said, a week off. They, they've got time to get ready for Illinois. What do you think needs to be their main focus, given last time Illinois just came out and, and throttled them? Of course, their big two really just dominated from the start, and, and the game was over in a hurry. But what do you think Wisconsin is going to be working on in practice this next week to hopefully make that game a little bit more competitive? I'm not going to say that they're going to practice something this week and it's going to allow them to come out and win, but to, to hopefully keep this game closer and, and you know, more competitive than they did last time. They've got to just stick in the paint on the defensive end. They've got to tag to help against Coburn. He absolutely ate up Wisconsin last time they played. He was absolutely dominant. Almost all of his points were completely off dunks. I think he hit one jumper. The rest of it was dunks. Like, it wasn't even contested stops by the Badgers. He wasn't even thrown on the free throw line to try to beat them. It was 
hey, I'm going to grab it, I'm going to turn, and I'm going to dunk. And that's not how you win games on the defensive end. So I think Wisconsin, they don't have the bigs that are that are going to be as physical as Coburn, aren't going to be able to push them around. But what they do have is four other guys on the court that can help and, and give support against Coburn. So I think Wisconsin really needs to tighten down. Force Illinois to make threes. Illinois can do it. Like, let's be real. Illinois has made threes this year, but they aren't a, a really strong three-point shooting team by any stretch of the imagination. If you're sagging in and helping, giving support down low and in the paint, trying to cut down lanes to get the ball to Coburn, it's it's in turn going to also keep Ayo DeSumo from getting into the paint as well because you're trying to keep things compact inside to make it so that, hey, force Illinois to make jump shots. That's what everybody's trying to do to Wisconsin right now. They're forcing Wisconsin to shoot jump shots, and they're missing. they got to start doing the same to other teams because other teams um, like Michigan, they can make those jump shots. They're a really good jump shooting team. Mm -hmm. But you look right now at what Illinois has. They're a slashing team. Aodisumu is a a Big Ten, um, you know, player of the year type candidate. And you've got to – but at the same time, when you make him shoot three-pointers, that isn't his game. He wants to get to the rim. He wants to get the ball into Coburn and let him do his damage inside. So if you can can try to cut down lanes to, to the basket, try to keep um, Coburn from getting established down low and um, comfortable being able to just turn and dunk the ball based off of one quick move, you're going to be okay to, to have a chance here. And then you just got to hope that you're on the offensive end. The guys that we've already pinpointed and talked about at nauseum that need to score for this team and they need to go through – um, take advantage and score. Yeah, I think that'll be the the biggest part. I mean, you look at the last game, of course, Coburn and, and Desumu dominated on the glass. You know, defensively, that's you know protecting the paint and, and being better in that area will hopefully allow you to to, to rebound better as well. Um, of course, that's a, a big thing you're looking for. But also on the offensive side uh, of the basketball of the court, you you've really got to knock down some shots. I mean, in that game. Um, against Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, shot 41% from the field, but um, really struggled from the three-point line. You know, four of 24 in that game, 16%. Um, it was a really ugly shooting performance. So, you know, if you don't clean things up defensively and you allow those guys to just dominate the way they did, you know, it, it's probably not going to matter how many shots you're making. But if you're, you know, now you're at home, if you can get some, uh, you know, your your shooting stroke back a little bit and knock down some threes that'll at least hopefully keep you in the game a little bit more and, and allow you to make those adjustments defensively. So I really think, you know, shots will start to hopefully fall back at home. We're, we're kind of waiting for that game where the three-pointer ball is really starting to drop. But uh, until then, you know, you're going to have to really be strong defensively and, and just hope that you can hang around and, and hopefully you get that home-cooking magic where you can knock down some shots and, and keep this a game. So there's definitely a chance. I like that they've got – um, you know, a few days here to get some practice in and, and work on some of that stuff. And, and hopefully they'll come out against Illinois and be strong because it would be nice for Wisconsin to get, you know, a quality win, a quality upset, something like that. I mean, Illinois is a team right now that is playing, you know, really good basketball. But at the same time, Wisconsin, if they can just get a few things right, they can make this a lot closer um, than, than what it's been these last few games. So maybe I'm getting sucked back in after that after that victory and strong performance against Northwestern, but I'm, I'm interested to see what they'll do on Saturday, just given this time off, and, and hopefully they can get some things right. 
For sure. And, and it could be something to where the Badgers really, uh, obviously they stick to man-to-man, but they if, if they were on the defensive end to, to crash the boards, suck in with some of the guys to help on Coburn, just have Tower Wall just shadow um, mm-hmm. just the entire game. Try to mess him up with length. Um, I know that Wall guarded him a little bit last time at times, but at the same time, I believe that Tyler Wall, if if he's like they just tell him, hey, your job is to only worry about Tasumu. They don't, we don't necessarily need as much from you on the offensive end this game. We just need you going balls to the wall to stop him on the defensive end. I think Wall is the type of player that can help them out and do that as long as he stays out of foul trouble and and maybe use his length to to mess with Tasumu, who's who's six six, so he's big enough um, in his own right with a big wingspan. But I think the if Tyler Wall has a really good defensive game. They've got a shot. I mean, this is still at home in a, against a team that, hey, they have beaten the past. This isn't something that as though Wisconsin doesn't have success against Illinois in, in the recent past. They need to go ahead and play one of their best games this entire season because right now they don't have a marquee win in, in mm-hmm. conference, really, that you can look at and be like, yeah, they played really well in that game and, and got a win. I mean, what would you say that it's Indiana, Minnesota, yeah, like the Minnesota game? But yeah, I like, wouldn't, not that yeah, great. Take, yeah, I wouldn't take either of those as, as you know, they're they're okay wins, but both of those teams you look at right now, Minnesota, Indiana, on the bubble, you know, in that last four out range. So right now, you you really like a quality win to to hang your hat. I mean, you need to look at like Louisville was a good win. They played really well, but but that game you can't really take over. You know, that much from Louisville was kind of struggling and, and dealing with COVID issues. Loyola Chicago is is a good win, but you you don't want to go into the NCAA tournament with you know a Loyola Chicago as one of your best you know three wins. You can make an argument for the other two. So if they could pick up a, a really quality win you know against the team that is playing so well, I think that would you know prove a lot of people you know, not necessarily wrong. Wisconsin struggled and it's been a lot of their own struggles, but it would at least get some belief back into them that hey maybe they can win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe they can be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament, but it's until you kind of see it against a quality opponent, it's hard to really buy in, and you can't really blame people for not. But they've got a shot. That's the nice thing about this conference in the Big Ten. You know, you've if you're not playing well, you at least got a shot. You know, a couple days later to to make some things right. And you know, while the, the the conference and the the schedule is is really struggled right now, and the way they're playing. They've got three more opportunities with a good Illinois team, a good Iowa team, and a Purdue team that's still playing pretty well, and it's a place they always struggle on the road. So it's going to be a, you know, an interesting finishing stretch, but they've got opportunities to, uh, some, to breathe some belief back into the program that way. For sure. Thinking about it, it might actually be Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Based off of them winning their last four, they might be the team that actually is the best win on this Wisconsin um, schedule. And that, yeah, that would be you know anyone in that group is is a is a good win, but I think if they could get that really you know great win, you know Wisconsin over the course of the last few years always has one of those big upsets. It's it's probably going to be you know one of these last three if if they can knock one of them off. Illinois is the, probably the one that's playing the best right now. If they could get that win, it'd be huge. But really, you'll take any of them at this point in in this conference. We'll we'll see how it finishes out down the stretch, but. All right, guys, that wraps up our basketball discussion, so stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and we'll get into some football talk. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, before we get into our position preview and review for the 2021 season, we've got a little bit of news here. Jake Ratzlaff and Nolan Rucci were each named Mr. Football in their respective states. Of course, Nolan Rucci out in Pennsylvania, Ratzlaff in Minnesota, which I think is a really big deal given that, you know, you, you're recruiting out of state. You, of course, want to get your in-state guys, but to be landing the Mr. Football in, in states that the Big Ten is very prominent. Of course, you've got Minnesota right there. Um, in Pennsylvania, you've got Ohio State and Penn State that all recruit that area very well. So to be landing those players is is really, I think, huge for Wisconsin in terms of recruiting. But what did you make of those two, you know, earning those awards for uh, their respective states? I think it's big. It, it tells you just how talented these guys were and, and what they've been able to do at the high school level. So I think the Badgers are in really good shape with, with who they have coming in for that. Um, you look at it right now, they, they've been doing a really good job in recruiting Minnesota, which is, which is uh, welcome news. It's what you want to see. And, um, but then to grab somebody out of Pennsylvania, even, even though it's just a, a brother connection that probably helped you out ultimately, it, it's big because he is a, a no doubt right now projected first team um, All-American looking at a first-round pick based off of that far start five-star rating, what they're, um, that most major scouts and services are expecting from him. So I, I think it's big news. It, it tells you right now that, hey, Wisconsin got two of the best players in the country, um, and and that fans should be very excited about both players. I know I love the film that Ratzlaff has. I think that hockey skills as well should only pay dividends down the line as well. So um, I think the Badgers are in good shape, and both those guys, um, congrats to them. Yeah, very much congrats to them. And also, they're, they're really strong positions. You know, Wisconsin does pretty well, um, you know, at, at turning these players that come in. And, and sometimes they do a good job of bringing in a kid that's, you know, three stars, maybe not as well known, and turning them into to really strong players. So when you're bringing in, you know, Mr. Football, four or five star guys, you know, you hope that you can, A, get them on the field earlier, but, B, they'll play at a higher level than maybe some guys in years past, just given that the, the coaching that they get at those respective positions. I mean, you know, Wisconsin does a really good job at that outside linebacker position, and, of course, offensive line is their bread and butter. So I, I think Wisconsin can really turn both of those guys into you know, – they're, they're great players already, but to hopefully elevate their game as they move forward is going to be uh, awesome to see. And both of those kids um, seem like great kids. Of course, we've had Nolan on the show, was um, very well-spoken and, and seemed – you know. Aged, I know he's got a young kind of baby face, but he seemed well beyond his years in terms of um, the way he spoke. So I think Wisconsin's got two really strong players in those, and, and those, these awards kind of back that up um, and show them that they're doing the right things and going after the right guys in that recruiting circuit. So, All right, we'll get into the position preview and review now. An interesting conversation, I think, here in the running back room. If you look at this year, coming into the year, Nikia Watson was, you know, your projected starter, but I think there was a lot of people looking back on it that we, you know, we're kind of already doubting um, where they were at with him. You knew you had Garrett Groshek as well, which is a guy that uh, I think Wisconsin fans are, are going to miss this upcoming year, and he was a guy you could really rely on to do a lot of different things. 
And then there was, of course, the wild card of, of Isaac Arendo. Um, all three of those were kind of circled as the main ball carriers. And then, of course, Jalen Berger um, came in. The other two didn't really work out. So what did you make of the the running back room in 2020? I thought overall they, they did what they could based off of the personnel that they had. You look at it, Nakia Watson ended up starting most of the games at running back. Uh, but at the same time, I think everybody knew that Jalen Berger was the guy, that he was the most talented player in that room and, and gave you the, the best uh, chance for success. Um, that became clearly obvious even as early as the first game that he actually played. And so I think that is, when I look back at the last season, I'm thinking, hey, Jalen Berger, his emergence is is really the thing to take away from it. The loss of Nakia Watson, I, I think – it makes a ton of sense for him to go and try to find somewhere else because I think he saw the writing on the wall that uh, he was overpassed by Jalen Berger. Garrett Groshek, I think this was a really big year for him, and I, it was it was fun to see kind of what he could do given uh, everything. I, you look at specifically him basically putting the, the team on his back against Minnesota and getting that win with 24 carries, 100. 50 yards and a touchdown. That was that's going to be his forever legacy probably at Wisconsin. So it was good to see him kind of go out in a in a good way, both against Minnesota, but then he also had a pretty good bowl game against Wake Forest as well. So I think when you look back at this year, having a, a couple of good games by Garrett Groshek um, will stand up. But but really the big thing was that hey, you've got a true freshman who 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 started to flash quickly and and showed what he could do, especially against Michigan, Northwestern, and Indiana, when he was kind of hovering around that 90-yard, 15-carry um, average. And, and I think they've got a good one, and hopefully he can put it together for next year. Yeah, I, I think what you saw from him in, in the limited role, of course, he was, was out a couple weeks. He had um, a few weeks where everyone was kind of scratching their head going, what does Jalen Berger have to do to get some more carries? Because – he wasn't really getting more than, you know, the 15 touches, and you're kind of sitting there thinking, man, we could really use him getting 20, 22, 25 touches in a game, just the way the offense was working. Uh, but I think they do have a really solid player in him, um, uh, not, you know, kind of the next in line of really strong running backs at Wisconsin. You know, coming into this year, you'll, of course, have him, you know, with a full off season. You know, already playing a lot of games under his belt, but also still coming in, you know, given the eligibility rules as that true freshman, which which I think is going to be huge for his development, and I think he'll take a step up um, as well. And then, you know, around him, we'll, we'll have to see. Of course, you've got Watson gone. I don't know how much of a loss that really is. You know, sometimes you look at a roster and go, you lost, you know, X amount of players, but how many of them were really contributing at a high level? I, I just never... Never really bought into you know seeing that from Nikia Watson, and of course it didn't really pan out. So I, I you know it's still a loss to the running back position, but how much you know we'll have to wait and see. Garrett Groshek I think is a big loss. You know he's he was a guy that did a lot well in you know he he got his touches running the ball, but he also did really strong um, things in, in pass protection. Um, and, you know being that guy that could be out there on those type of downs. You know of course Jonathan Taylor early in his career never really had that, so Groshek was was big in that part of being out there. And, and then, of course, you know, we talked about Isaac Rendo a little bit. You know, coming into the season, we were both really high on him. He just never panned out with his injuries. Hopefully he can come back and, and be a strong guy, you know, as they look to next year and, and trying to find someone that can spell from him. So given that, you know, Grendel coming back, you've got other guys in the mix. You know, Julius Davis was this guy we expected to see some. 
really didn't see anything from him this past year just because I only got, a, what, was a one carry, I think? He got yeah, one it was a year. one carry specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so that one's kind of a head-scratcher. I mean, he's a guy that could certainly be in the room, but what do you expect from uh, the group in, in 2021? I would anticipate that early in the season you're going to see uh, a heavy dose of Jalen Berger. I think he, you're going to see similar to what the Badgers had uh, when Jonathan Taylor was a freshman, mm-hmm. when he, he got to about that 300 carry mark. Where I think you're going to see, um, it might not, Berger might not get all the way up to 300 carries, but I guess it's going to be probably pretty close. And, but then I would anticipate that he's going to also see 15, 20 catches out of the backfield as well. I think that when you look at the offensive weaponry, they're going to, they have some wider receivers that we've talked about, some tight ends that you could rely on. But really, in the running back room, you've got one proven commodity, and that and that's Jalen Berger. So I would anticipate that he's going to get um, a lot of touches, probably that 20, 22 touches a game that um, John Settle, I remember him talking about, hey, we're going to get touches. We're not going to worry necessarily about if it's rushes or if it's catches. But giving him the ball in – and giving the, um, him chances is, is going to be huge because I don't see anybody else that I think you can pinpoint and say, yep, that's the guy that also that should uh, impact and help them out in a lot of ways. I think it's the the clock is kind of ticking for Julius Davis and Isaac Rendo. Rendo's got all the skill in the world, but um, has just struggled with injuries. Um, Julius Davis, I don't know what the deal is there and why he hasn't been getting um, any any chances. But um, he, he's got to continue to get bigger, more physical with that, and, and hopefully he can make an imprint next year. And, and then you've got Brady Shipper, who I think is a wild card in it, and I know fans aren't going to be, like, super excited about a walk-on running back from Stoughton, but at the same time, he brings a lot of the same thing. Former former uh, wide receiver, they, they moved him to safety. They clearly want to have him on the field because mm-hmm. they think he can do some nice things. Um, and he's back at running back. It, you saw him play last year. He could be the next Garrett Groshek um, if, if need be, but then you also have those true freshmen. So I think it's really – it's kind of make or break for, for those guys, uh, most notably Garendo and um, as well as Davis. But I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if one of these freshmen comes in and, and pushes hard and for, for some carries by uh, midseason as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch because you look at it. You, know, you mentioned early in the season, you know, Berger's going to be a guy I think that they'll have to rely on as they try and try and find another option. But you know, early in the season, you, you know, you open with Penn State, you've got Eastern Michigan, you've got Notre Dame and, and Michigan in those early weeks, so you don't have a lot of time to develop and, and work some guys in. Um, you, know, you know, you're not going to have those blowout games. You know, Eastern Michigan will about be the one that you can hopefully work some guys in. But you know, you're starting out the season strong, so you're going to have a lot of Jalen Berger, I think, early in the season by default, unless you really see something from you know somebody in the spring and, and fall that, that that really gets you excited about having a running back, um, you know, a backup that you can rely on heavily. So hopefully, Jalen Berger is is um, you know ready to go and and able to to you know be a, a strong guy. I think the one concern with him is is maybe injuries. Is he ready to take on you know a full wear and tear of a full season? Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. He's a little bit lighter than Jonathan Taylor was. Um, you know, at you know, Taylor was probably 227, 230. You know, Berger coming into Wisconsin was 210. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can rely on him um, you know, as an every down back. I think they can, but that's going to probably be the question mark of, of who's going to spell them. And then you look at it, you know, early in the season, um, you know, with some of these younger guys, 
And Wisconsin's been active in the transfer portal, you know, looking for a running back. Kind of struck out on the ones that they were, you know, kicking the tires on. Uh, I'm guessing they won't find much now, so it's probably going to be an in-house guy. So Berger will definitely be looking for, you know, a running back two behind him. Who do you think it could be maybe out of those younger guys, you know, some of the recruits that were coming in this past year? Yeah, I, I think to to balance Berger, because I think Berger does bring some nice things both as a receiver out of the backfield, but also as a as a runner because he's he's a he's a good slashing back. I think you need somebody who's gonna be more of a power back. So Julius Davis would make a ton of sense, especially if he added a little bit of weight. Um but and and, and got healthy because he has mm-hmm. dealt with his fair share of injuries coming out of high school. But but you look at a, a bigger guy like Jackson Jackson Aker, maybe he can help them out. Or um, Antoine Roberts, depending upon how filled out he is when he comes in. I mean, he's a bigger kid at 6'2". He, he could be, by the time he comes in, 220 uh, if, if he adds on some weight. So I think the, the freshmen coming in are uniquely positioned to have a chance. And it's just going to be a matter of, hey, is Isaac Arendo the guy that he maybe adds some weight in and is able to help them out? And Spellberger, I think Garendo could be a really good third down back if if he could get down the the blocking situations and also uh, help them out as as a, a change of pace guy because he he brings elite speed. So I think there's a lot of guys that could help, but I think they need a pounding back. I don't know if that's going to be a freshman, if it's going to be Julius Davis, or if maybe Isaac Garendo is just the other guy to to help spell. Jalen Berger, but I think you have to look at those pockets as it, but I don't think anybody has a clear understanding of who it's going to be behind Berger, but I do know that Berger is probably going to be RB1. Oh, yeah, I, I think Berger's going to get a, like you mentioned, I think the the comparison to Jonathan Taylor's freshman year is a, a really a really strong one. You know, his sophomore year as well, they were always kind of struggling to find out who was going to be the running back too, but they always had Garrett Groshek kind of in the fold at the same time. This year, you don't have Garrett Groshek, so you're going to need you know, you're going to need your primary bell cow, which is going to be Berger. You're going to need a, a Garrett Groshek type, a third down back, pass blocking back. That could be Garendo. It could be, you know, they move Brady Shipper there. Maybe they're grooming him to be, like you said, the next Garrett Groshek. I think that would make a ton of sense if he's ready for it. But you're also going to need just, a, you know, a, a big, powerful runner, like you mentioned. I think Antoine Roberts could be. I was really impressed with his tape. I think he kind of stood out. I know rankings-wise in terms of recruiting, he wasn't, you know, he was a three-star kid, not nationally ranked, but to me, I was when I was watching his film, I thought, you know, they've got something there that, that maybe Wisconsin was he was a situation they got in early or or maybe found a diamond in the rough that um, just didn't get as highly recruited as some other places. So I think he's got a shot um, as well. But the running back room, you know, you've got your established starter, but there's a lot of question marks in there to watch this spring and fall as you work into next year. And, you know, in that in that third down running back role and that. Uh, you know, that, that RB2 role is, is going to be something to really keep an eye on. Yeah, and, and and maybe, for all we know, the Badgers might really just lean on um, um, um Berger and, and surpass 300 carries, which is, is totally possible, especially because he is making a nice jump, hopefully, after his freshman year. Taylor got 299 as a freshman and then was in the, in the low 300s basically for the rest of his career. But I think you look at how Wisconsin traditionally runs the ball, and in the running back room, there's still probably 200 carries to hand out that you could spread out between guys. So I would anticipate it's not going to be one guy similar to what we saw with Taiwan Deal in 2018, but rather it's it's more likely that it's going to be um, 
a, a committee approach with a couple different guys, and it's going to be a matter of players taking advantage of those opportunities and and flashing so that they can earn that number two role. Because we saw, and I want to, I keep I keep bringing it back to 2017 because you look at it behind Jonathan Taylor, they still had four other backs who who got at least 28 carries, and um, between Rashid Ibrahim. Chris James, Garrett Groshek, Bradrick Shaw. Um, I, I don't think Wisconsin has um, maybe the depth that you'd want in in the room and an established option behind Berger, but at the same time, they've got they've got bodies that they're going to have to give opportunities to and see who kind of stands out and is able to to help them out the most because there is guys to do it and they all have talent. Like Jam, um, Julius Davis was a, a an almost four-star recruit. Isaac Grendo was a state champ um, um, speed demon out of out of high school. And and then you look at some of these younger guys, both Jackson Aker and um, and uh, as well as Will Crawford are are high three-star kids from inside inside the state, where oftentimes they don't get maybe the notoriety that that you would get if they were at a, a different school or in a different state. So. I look at it as they've got talent. Now it's a matter of somebody stepping up, and um, John Settle is is going to have his work cut out for him to get those guys ready. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, you know, position battle to watch. You know, of course, you're you're going to have Berger, you're going to have your starter, but that running back two position is going to be important to, to to keep Berger fresh. And then again, you know, he's still the true freshman. You know, working through the the wear and tear of a full football season at the college level is going to be something to watch for. So they're going to need someone, and, and they're going to have the work cut out for them. But, again, like you said, there's talent there. There's opportunity there. Someone's just got to take it. And, and you've got plenty of, of you know spring ball and fall ball to hopefully find out who that's going to be. So, all right, guys, before we go, our next episode, we are planning on doing a mailbag episode with no uh, Wisconsin basketball over the course of this week. Um, we're, we're looking at maybe taking some questions, whether it be Wisconsin football, Wisconsin basketball, you know, college football, college basketball, anything that you want to ask about, um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on it here on the show. So we'll put out a um, podcast post to, you know, for you guys can put the questions in the comment section. Feel free to DM us uh, on Twitter or on Instagram if, you, if you've got any questions, and we always appreciate you sending them in. So if you've got something on your mind that you want to send in and, and have us, you know, talk about and discuss, We'll be happy to do it uh, for Thursday's episode. So if you guys want to send those in, we would greatly appreciate it. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin.